Welcome to the Eat Scripture Podcast. This is Eric and Gina Robinson. We are continuing to go through Luke, and we have reached Luke 23. And so we are at the point where Jesus is about to be crucified now. We come up to verse 18. Um, This is a lot of great stuff now, but hard to read in the Mm -hmm. sense that this is um, the passion of our Lord. Very difficult for us to... For us Very to feel, you know, get a get a picture of just how much he experienced and how rough it would have been for him. We don't like to think of this, and yet we do like to think of it because it means freedom for all. It means everyone who comes to him uh, can receive forgiveness by what he did for us. So we are eternally grateful and excited about what is to be gained through this. But still, as we read the details, it gets difficult. So. That's what we are entering into right now. We're really glad you're listening. Thank you for spending a little time with us. We really appreciate it when you share with friends or share online. Uh, Anything about the podcast really helps us out. We hope that you will continue to do that. Um, Feel free to ask questions through your podcast service or whatever, if you like. We would be happy to entertain those. And we look forward to hearing back from anyone uh, at any time. If you'd like to look at different ways that you can support each scripture and what we do, then you can go to our website at eatscripture.com, go to the donate page, and you'll see several ways that you can contribute to the ministry, all extremely helpful. And we just know there's a great hunger for the word of God out there. And that's what we're trying to meet in some way by helping mm-hmm. people go verse to verse, um, which is a great thing to do. And we love doing it. So we're going to get back into it right now as we get into Luke chapter 23. and as we move toward verse 18. So just remember now that we have watched as Jesus stood before Pilate, the first, when he was first brought to Pilate at the beginning of 23. And then we watched as he was sent to Herod and Herod did kind of an interview, kind of a, you know, I don't know what you'd call it. Just wanting Jesus to do something. Yeah. Yeah, right. Interrogation of Jesus, trying to get him to talk, trying to get him to do something. But yeah, he didn't see anything deserving. But he certainly, yes, he certainly was not wooed by the idea that this man deserved any kind of Mm -hmm. punishment. Um, Winds up sending him back to Pilate, who then goes through the whole process a second time, it seems, and finds no guilt in him worth condemning. Uh, which is what he says to them clearly, the crowd clearly, in verse 14 and 15, where he says, look, there's nothing to condemn this man for. Not only that, but Herod didn't find anything either. Right. So he's really trying to get him, really trying to get him to understand that there's just no reason we don't understand why you want this man dead so badly. I do, again, believe that there's they've gathered a small crowd here mm-hmm. early in the day, and they are pushing this thing through as fast as they can before the masses find out what they're doing and that Jesus has actually been condemned. And so that's what they're all yelling about and which we're going to hear more of as we go into verse 18. So we're still kind of at that place. Now, Pilate has said in verse 16, I'm going to, so I'm going to, I'll punish him and release him. Does that sound good to everybody kind of thing? I mean, Mm -hmm. I don't think he's really asking a question, but he's just saying, look, no reason to kill him, him but I'll punish him and then we'll, yeah, release him. So they're going to respond to that in verse 18. So let's uh, read verse 18 through 25, I think, Gina, and then we'll talk about that. Okay. 
But they all cried out together, Away with this man, and release to us Barabbas, a man who had been thrown into prison for an insurrection started in the city, and for murder. Pilate addressed them once more, desiring to release Jesus. But they kept shouting, Crucify! Crucify him! A third time he said to them, Why? What evil has he done? I have found in him no guilt deserving death. I will therefore punish and release him. But they were urgent, demanding with loud cries that he should be crucified, and their voices prevailed. So Pilate decided that their demand should be granted. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, for whom they asked, but he delivered Jesus over to their will. Mm. Wow. Well, we, we hear about Barabbas in Luke here, which we hear mm -hmm. about him in other Gospels mm -hmm. as well. He's a... The figure that comes up only at the cross and um, with what's about to happen whenever Jesus is about to be sentenced and Pilate tries to get them to accept Barabbas as or, or tries to talk to them about this whole process of yes. not of accepting Jesus. Um, but they uh, back to them and not condemning him. But the one that they're crying out to release instead is this Barabbas character who is apparently a very bad person. I mean, he's, he's led an insurrection and, and he's he's murdered, murdered. Yes. People. So, uh, still, I find this so, it just makes me shake my head. I don't understand. Yes. That's how could the Jewish people, mm -hmm. these Jewish leaders be wanting them to let a murderer go free? Yes. Exactly. How could that happen? It just seems so ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Like you're saying, these are men who live in the law, talk about the law all the time. It's what, mm -hmm. How in the world could they be pushing so hard for this? Um, but it just shows what people are willing to do when they feel like their positions are threatened. Um, and Barabbas, his name means? Son of the Father, right. literally, which is crazy. Because think about what's happening here. The truest ever son of the father, Jesus, is about to go to death while the son of the father, insurrectionist and murderer, is let go. Yeah. He will go in the place of the insurrectionist and murderer. Yes. The so spiritual they're implications. One son of the father for the truth and the, yeah. That's right. The spiritual implications are beyond thought. I, it's just amazing what God has lined up here to show this to us mm -hmm. because the very fact that he's an insurrectionist and a murderer speaks volumes to us. An insurrectionist is one who's trying to throw off the governing figure. Mm -hmm. I mean, the one who would not like to be under this governance anymore mm -hmm. and is actively working against the powers that rule everything. And then a murderer. Well, I just described every person who's ever lived. We are all in our hearts insurrectionists against God. We've mm -hmm. decided, we've tried to go our own way. We've done our own thing. We've wanted to live a life under our own control, not his to control. And we've tried to throw him off from being our ruler. And in doing so, we've become the ones who murdered Jesus, who hung Jesus, yeah. caused for the cause for Jesus being sent to the cross. Mm -hmm. And so we are the murderers and the insurrectionists. And so to see that here as the one who escapes penalty, the son of the father who's a murderer and an insurrectionist is the one who is replaced by, if you will, substituted, um, Jesus is substituted for him, 
the true son of the father who never committed insurrection, who never hurt anyone, never did anything. Uh, and he's the one who's going to the cross. This is amazing. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Our mouths really should be is. hanging open. I mean, this is a picture of yep. Jesus taking our place. Yep. And, yeah. So Pilate addresses them again. Yeah, he tried to. <laughs> Desiring to release Jesus. This is what he wants more than anything else. Why in the world can't I just let this guy go? And they kept shouting, crucify, crucify him. So it says on in verse 22, a third time he said to them, why, what evil has he done? I found no guilt deserving of death. I'll therefore punish and release him, which we have already seen. First, back up in verse 4, 23, 4, where he said, I find no guilt in this man. And then we saw it again when we got down just a minute ago to 14 and 15. 23, 14, and 15, I did not find this man guilty of any of your charges against him, neither did Herod, for he sent him back. He deserves nothing, uh, no, does not deserving of death at all. I will therefore punish and release him. Uh, so he's saying the same thing a third time. He just right. try and try and try and get him. He says it the third time, which I find it. I don't know if there's any connection there, but we just had <laughs> we Peter just had denying Peter three, three times. Yes. This and Exactly. I can't help but wonder if there's a little bit of a connection because that just happened a right. few paragraphs ago. Right. Peter denied Jesus, the one closest to him, denied him three times, didn't stand up for him three times. And Pilate tried. And Pilate, of all people, yeah. weird. This, you know, Roman Gentile ruler of the area, procurator, says, okay. Uh, tries to convince people that Jesus is not really deserving of anything like this and to let him go three times. He want Luke wants us to know it happened three times. So that's very interesting. So they're urgent though, in their demands that he be crucified and their voices prevail. Verse 23, they, in their urgency and their yelling and their, yes, they prevail, which is so sad. This is so sad. So Pilate decided their demand should be granted. Wow. Wow. So if you yell loud enough, this is like the, the like textbook case for squeaky wheel gets the grease mm -hmm. right here. I mean, they just right. yelled they loud just enough and loud enough. And when, yeah, that Pilate felt obligated, felt he better go ahead and do this. So that's what we're, that's where we find ourselves at the end of 25. So I think maybe next we'll just read through it's kind of a long section, but if we'll read from starting in 26 all the way to 43, then okay. we'll try and see if we can't talk about that for the, for the remainder of our time today. Okay. And as they led him away, they seized one Simon of Cyrene, who is coming in from the country and laid on him the cross to carry it behind Jesus. And there followed him a great multitude of the people and of women who were mourning and lamenting for him. But turning to him, to them, Jesus said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, Cover us. For if they do these things when the wood is green, what will happen when it's dry? Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, 
There they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments, and the people stood by watching. But the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine, and saying, If you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly, I say to you, Today you will be with me in paradise. This is, you know, this is at the heart of our crucifixion idea. Um, this is Luke's Luke's take on it. It's not, we, we haven't reached the end of it yet, but we'll talk about these pieces before we go on, um, I think, which will be good because there's a lot of stuff in here. So back all the way to verse 26. They lead him away and they seize this man, Simon of Cyrene which we have never heard of before. Right. And we know nothing about him. Nothing. All it says is that he's coming out of the country. They laid on the cross and he carries it behind Jesus. That's He could have been coming for the Passover (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, because they had lots of people from all over in town for that. Um, But we don't know that. Right. We're just guessing uh, if when we say that. But what's interesting is if we go back to a place like chapter 9, verse 23, we mm-hmm. find Jesus telling the disciples, right. you need to be ready to carry a cross behind me. You right. know, get, you know, carry your come, cross and come follow me. me, carry your cross. Yep, that's what needs to happen. And then all of everybody was professing how absolutely dedicated to Jesus and his ways they were mm-hmm. even the night before. Mm-hmm. And you had Peter saying, I'll go to death with you if I have right. to. There's no, yeah. So we get to verse 26 and we're like, where is everybody? Yeah. The very ones who should be carrying the cross behind you, carrying at the very least stepping up and say, I'll carry it. Um, even if that means I have to go with them to death, they're really going to hold their promise. Mm-hmm. But at least there, we don't see anybody. We don't see anybody. In verse right. 26, there's no it's one to this, be found. It's this person we've never heard of before who may not even know who Jesus is at this point. But I feel like, the fact that Luke mentions his name and tells where he's from is that Seemed he's telling us the people who read this the first time mm-hmm. probably had heard of him. He yeah. probably did become a believer. And- yeah. It's interesting that in Mark fifteen twenty one he's brought up there. And when Mark talks about this, Simon of Cyrene, he says the father of Alexander and Rufus. Right. So we... No, As if they would know. Them. Yeah. So his readers must at least know Alexander and Rufus. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, their dad? Mm-hmm. That was the one? Oh. Right. And so Romans 16, 13 actually talks about Rufus mm-hmm. as if mm-hmm. uh, as if Paul is addressing someone in Rome whose name is Rufus. Well, Mark probably wrote to Romans. That's what we know about his gospel. So if he's writing to Romans and 
then he mentioned Simon of Cyrene and said, yeah, that's Rufus's dad. You guys know Rufus. He's one of yours. And that would seem to make a lot of sense. Now, even though Luke doesn't give those details, like you're saying, he also, like you said, says Simon of Cyrene as if there would be a recognition in his readers of him. I just find that interesting because I can't, there's no way this didn't make an impact on this man's life. Right. So, you know, what all that entails, we won't know. No. On this earth. I don't really know. But um, it's interesting. I think it's terribly interesting. I love that line of thought. He is the disciple who picked up the crossing period Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't. I think he was kind of forced. He was forced in, but, but you know, what did it do to his life? Yeah, what did it? Tra- right. You know, I can't help but think it transformed him. Um, it is a picture of what we should be doing. Yes, every day. That's what oh, Jesus yes. asked us to do. So, so then, to verse yeah. twenty-seven, there's this now twenty-seven through thirty-one are only contained in Luke, and it says there's this great multitude that has started following him, of the people and of women who were mourning and lamenting for him. Right. So there's so great procession great of mourning. This great, this is the first time it's talked about a great multitude of mm-hmm. people. Yes. And these aren't people who were shouting for him to be crucified. No. They are mourning and lamenting. Yes. Right. So we've got enough people are up now and awake after his condemnation that they realize what's going on and they are upset about it and they're crying out and they're following him and they're weeping. Um, and so whenever he turns to them, though, it says, while he's on the way and speaks to them and says, daughters of Jerusalem, don't weep for me. Weep for yourselves and your children, yourselves mm-hmm. and your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. And then they will begin to say to the mountains, fall on us and the hills cover us. For if they do these things when the wood is green, what will happen when it's dry? What they, what he's saying, of course, is there's going to come a time pretty soon here within the next generation. You mothers, your children, there's going to come a time where it's going to be so horrible that it'd be better if you never had kids. Because you'll see terrible things right. happen to them. You'll see and all that's these terrible, awful things. going to be true. Definitely, it is going to be true. Mm-hmm. Certainly by the time of AD 70, whenever Rome comes in with all of their armies, mm-hmm. surrounds Jerusalem, besieges it, and and then lays it to the ground, it's going to be a terrible time mm-hmm. for the Jews um, during that those days. And I think without question, that's the reference he's making right. here. And then... One last time, trying to warn them. Yep. Yep. This is bad. Mm-hmm. It's going to get really bad. Yep. So in verse 30, when it says, then they will begin to say to the mountains, fall on us and the hills cover us. That's mm-hmm. a reference probably to Hosea 10, 8. There are a couple of other places mm-hmm. in the Old Testament they could be going to, but um, certainly Hosea 10, 8 is what it sounds like. Whenever Samaria is besieged by Assyria because they have gone far away from the Lord and have been worshiping their calves, their golden calves, their idols, and mm-hmm. he is going to bring judgment on them by Assyria. And, and Assyria is going to completely raise, R-A-Z-E, Samaria to the ground, uh, overthrow, take captives. It's going to be awful. It's going to be horrible. Mm-hmm. Lots of lots of horrible things right. will happen during that time. So by making this connection, of course, he's pointing to what's going to happen mm-hmm. in Jerusalem uh, now that's going to look like what happened back then. You'll just wish that you, you would, could be covered up yeah. by the hills. You'd right. rather not 
Because um, the suffering is going to be so great. Yes, yes, um, so bad. This is all uh, um, uh, language that's used in the Old Testament when the, the uh, God's people are being taken captive mm -hmm. and going into exile. Yeah. So. Yeah. So it's got to be, it's alluding to something really horrible, really mm -hmm. bad, um, which it is. So verse 31, uh, for if they do these things when the wood is green, what will happen when it's dry? That's just a reference to the fact right now in the 30s, in the early 30s in Jerusalem, things aren't that bad. Mm -hmm. I mean, you would have people thinking it's bad. Obviously, you could find your people who thought it's bad and it shouldn't. But really, life's going on. You're just right. doing your business. Yes, you have an occupying power that you don't want there. It's but not they're that not you, but actively persecuting the Jews. That's right. The way they will. Oppressive, yes, like they will be. And so right now things can just be done and get done and life mm -hmm. can be lived. This is when things are green. The wood is green, as it were. Mm -hmm. um, but there's going to come a time when everything is right next to being destroyed when it's dead when everything is dry and the fires of judgment are about to just sweep through and what well if they can act this evil during times when things are not so bad mm -hmm. if they can do things like this then worry about yourselves because the time is coming where it's not going to be like this it's going to be really awful then how badly will people treat mm -hmm. each other and so i think that's his his connection right there so verse 32, then we find about, out about these criminals who are being led away with him. They get put to death with him uh, on either side. They came to a place called the skull in verse 33. They crucify him and the criminals, one on his right, one on his left. Well, like you had told me before, definitely an allusion to being numbered with the transgressors, chapter 53 right. of Isaiah, 53, 12, um, where it's this definitely fulfilling that scripture. The One of the interesting things is that he is being crucified at the skull, which yeah. is a word, cranion, which um, can mean head or skull. Um, if it's used as a head, it's usually like a severed head, oh. um, but it could be a head. Uh, just you could say the head as much as you could say. Why would they the, call it that? The skull. We don't know exactly why it got its name. I don't have any idea why it got its name. But the interesting thing is that um, Ray Vanderlaan, who has done a lot of work on this, uh, and which can be found at faithgateway.com for those who might want to look it up. He's written an article called "The Crucifixion: The Coronation of a King." by Ray mm -hmm. Vanderlaan, um, where he goes up over a lot of details, especially for Mark. He's using Mark as his major source mm -hmm. for how he's pulling through it. But a lot of these, of course, are repeated by the other Gospels as well. And so when he's talking about Head Hill, or um, Head Hill is a place in Rome where the triumphator who has returned from oh, great yes. victory. I think I do remember hearing him talk yes, about I'm this. Sure I've forgotten. Did. Go ahead. Yep. He's returned from that great victory, and they go through this whole procession where they lead mm -hmm. him through the streets. It's it's the emperor, of course. He's right. the one who's, you know, always, even though whether or not he actually did any fighting himself, you know, he still comes through as the triumph, triumphator. He's the one who's done all the greatness for the people and freed them from the oppressive uh, enemy and that kind of thing, or, or put the enemy down, whatever. Well, er, during that procession, they go to Head Hill in Rome. Oh, yeah. Well, this would be very similar way to say 
the same thing. He goes to the head. head. Yes, the head hill. So they take him there. That's where they crucify him. He has these criminals on his left and right. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, the triumphator would have people flanking him during right. this procession right. why even tell us that big, yeah. yep exactly um and then uh in 34 luke tells us something again that none of the other gospels tell us jesus says father forgive them for they know not what they do yeah. not said by anybody just, else just such a sharp um it just stands out yeah. sharply in this whole yeah. text because they're all being so awful. Yes. And, and I, you know, bluntly just saying they, there they crucified him. Right. And he's between these two criminals. And then on the other side, we're going to see they're mocking him and, you know, mm-hmm. yep. but here, right in the center of all this, he says, father, forgive them for they don't know what they they're doing. Yep. And yeah. Yeah. Right. As they're crucified, right. As he's been crucified. And, yep. Yeah. Um, and uh, I agree. And so to have Luke make this pronouncement, we're really having to stress on mm-hmm. just how m- graceful Jesus is and how much He's, Luke wants to portray yeah. his righteousness. He's and the his, gracious king. Yeah, truly. Um, and, and maybe that goes with the triumphator procession right. too, where he's not, instead of like a Roman triumphator, look at all these people I've killed and put down for the mm-hmm. sake of my kingdom. Here's Jesus instead saying, all those who've been been wrong to me, I, I want forgiveness for right. them. I won't kill them. I won't take their heads exactly. off. I will, I will want forgiveness for yeah. them. And um, what a contrast to what's just happened mm-hmm. to him. No, yeah. without question. Yeah. So then they cast lots to divide his garments, which uh, even though Luke's not going to make a connection to Psalm 22 specifically, like some others do, um, like both Matthew and Mark do, Luke won't do it, but he does contain, it does still have naturally these same connections uh, because this is what happened on that day. They cast lots to divide his garments. People stood by watching, but the ruler scoffed at him saying, he saved others, let him save himself. If he's the Christ of God, his chosen one. The, yeah, they're not even addressing him. Yeah. They're no. just turning to each other and addressing each other and making yeah. fun. And making fun. The people are watching him. Mm-hmm. They're like, what's going on? If he's the big deal he's claimed to be and that some of you people thought he was, then he should be able to save himself, right? Right. Uh, which, of course, they don't expect. And, they, and he's not going to do that in front of them. Um, he's accomplishing a much greater task than that. Mm-hmm. The soldiers mock him, coming up and offering sour wine. Well, that's an interesting thing to say. So here we're told in Luke, this is interesting, that the soldiers themselves are the ones who offer the sour wine. Well, that's, again, something that the triumphator was, mm-hmm. um, would be okay. given a cup of wine during the process, which he would reject, actually. Um, wow. That was part of the process for him to reject it. And so this, for the soldiers to do it, makes you think these are Roman soldiers who understand very well. They are trying to mock the process. They can see some of the weirdness of this. Ha ha. We're going to the place of the skull. This sounds almost like a triumphator procession. So let's just play it up. And they're saying he's the king of the Jews. Exactly. So So they're mocking the whole time Mm -hmm. instead. So they offer him wine. And Um, and also they may have been trying to prolong his agony by giving him that wine. Yeah. 
it's possible. to keep him alive for longer. I yeah, don't know. we don't know, but yeah, that's possible um, because it would have sort of mitigate some of the pain of the process. In mm -hmm. verse 37, and they're saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. So they're doing the same thing right. that now these Roman soldiers are doing the same thing that the the Jewish, the Jewish leaders are doing. doing. Yeah, everybody's mocked. He's mocked by the world, as it were. Um, and then it says in verse 38, there was also an inscription over him. This is the king of the Jews. So he's got it. It's being kind of proclaimed so ironic. there above him. Yeah. yeah. That's where they would put the charges, correct? Right. That yeah. they were charging this criminal with. Right. So everybody and his gets charge was, is why he's this is the there. king of the Jews. That's right. That's the charge they have up there. It's wow. really crazy thing to say. But yeah, I think we're going to stop right here this time. We'll okay. go into verse 39 and following next time. Um, and there's a lot of good stuff there to come. Lots of good stuff. Mm -hmm. And this is very. Um, All very meaningful. Very meaningful. Really, this really is good kind stuff. kind of, a, you know, I read this earlier today and. It's very sobering mm -hmm. to read this. It, there's so much great symbolism, and I know we we know what's going to happen, and yeah, we can get past it. But I I just try to put myself there, and I'm like, oh my mm -hmm. goodness, this is this is hard. Yeah, hard oh, to yeah. read. Really hard. Well, great to talk to everybody. Glad you could listen, and we will look forward to continuing this about the crucifixion itself uh, when we come back with you next time. Be sure and. Uh, be sure and keep reading ahead. Never stop looking into the Word every day. And we will just look forward to talking to you in a few days. God bless you all. Bye-bye.